Hey, everybody, we back this week for this week's episode of the Big Go Bell Podcast. And man, I'm so excited to get into the topics today because we really got some good stuff to talk about this week. But um, this is the host, Two James, and um, I'm accompanied by two very lovely gentlemen, two very familiar voices of the show. And of course, as I always say, couldn't do it without them. Mr. John Crab Jamal and Hill Will, Hill Will Hot Take Mahoney himself. Fellas, how you guys doing? Okay, okay. What's going on? Well, like I said, there's a lot to talk about this week. Um, <laughs> and I think they're really good topics because I think we're going to have very vast and broad opinions about a lot of it. So uh, let's just jump into it right now. But uh, I think the first thing let's talk about is let's get about the news that's coming out of Camp AEW, where AEW Dynamite has been renewed by Warner Media through 2023. This comes off of what? Six months of just being, uh, well, no, October, four months of just, uh, you know, their debut episode on TNT, and they have already got a multi-deal in place. So, gentlemen, when uh, when you initially heard the news, I want to know about reactions. Um, obviously, let's break a little bit, a little bit more information down into what this really entail. And do you guys have any skepticism about this deal happening, maybe happening too soon without proper assessment? Which, what's your, what's your takes on this? <laughs> I'll jump in first with a bit more of the details as to what uh, TNT and AEW have uh, agreed to before we get into the analysis of things. Oh, by the way, I love love TNT because TNT, uh, thank you so much for the opportunities for working press. So I just want to say right now, I love TNT. You guys are the best. Okay, you can continue. (laughs) TNT, good friends of the Big Gold Belt Group. And we hopefully can keep it that way into the future. (laughs) With that said, so... This is our totally unbiased opinion, though. I know, right? I know. (laughs) I will speak to the facts of what we know about the TV deal so far that's going down. So as Two Chains just said, uh, TNT and AEW have reached an agreement to uh, keep AEW Dynamite on the network through 2023. Uh, rumored to be a four-year deal worth $175 million. So they're looking at just under $45 million per year. And there's an option apparently also in the deal for 2024. So it could go beyond what we're saying here with four years. It could go into 2024, but if it goes into 2024, apparently there'll be a significant increase in what TNT is paying. So it's a pretty solid deal there. And the other bit of interesting news to come with this is they've also agreed to another hour of programming for AEW on TNT. We don't know a night yet. We don't know when, but they agreed to one more hour. And they did specifically say it'd be on a different night. So don't expect AEW Dynamite to be going to three hours like WWE Monday Night Raw. Won't be seeing that, but they're going to get another hour of programming. But the deal's locked in. It's a done deal, and uh, I guess other than that, interesting bits, I guess we could say, is it's obviously this makes AEW legit. If if there was any doubt about them being legit prior to this, this is the concrete foundation they needed. This makes them profitable. This makes them having a commitment on a grand stage for the foreseeable future, and it also shows that the ratings they are pulling in are – Something TNT is very happy with, apparently. So, in my mind, what this really means is the week-to-week talk of, like, the Wednesday night ratings and what they are. 
Now, I don't think they're really that important unless there's like a drastic change in what the numbers are. We know the numbers right now are perfectly fine and that Dynamite is safe. TNT is 100% behind them. And going forward, they're obviously committed to the product. So unless you see a gigantic drop off or if things drastically start to increase to show some momentum, the week to week, I don't think it matters anymore. Now it's a matter of hunker down, do your show, see if you can grow this audience. You're getting paid, so full steam ahead. And AEW is, I think this legitimately makes them the number two player in the States now that this TV deal's committed to. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, $175 million over, over four years, that, that's a big deal. Uh, the question is, what do they do as far as long-term booking? Um, knowing that they have a place, you know, how does that affect what storylines that they could have done and, and will do? And also, uh, running two shows versus one show. Will it be just AEW Dark on TNT? Or will it be a separate show um, in a different arena? Because, you know, not surprisingly, but ticket sales, they're not exactly selling out every single show, every single seat, every single time. You know, do you run the risk of spreading yourself too thin with trying to fill another, you know, venue for another show? How long will that show be? Will it be an hour? Uh, will it be another two hours? So, you know, there's still some some questions about, you know, AEW and whether or not they should be spreading themselves so thin so quickly. But, you know, the big thing is that they got the TV deal. They're on it. They're in it long term. We know that, you know, Cornette is probably spinning in his rocking chair right now. That <laughs> AEW is going to be on TV for at least through uh, 2023. So for better or worse, that's what it's going to be. And for TNT, it seems like a no brainer. I mean, the show can't be that much to produce. And, you know, they, they're getting, you know, 650,000 to 900,000 people a week watching TNT where they weren't before. Mm-hmm. And then when you add in the DVR numbers, that's over a million people a week that are suddenly inter- interested in TNT. Yeah, that's a win. And it's the same reason that Fox, you know, and their billion-dollar deal happened uh, with WWE. So, you know, good for everyone involved. Hopefully that wasn't a uh, like an albatross over the head around the neck of AEW as far as like booking goes and signing people goes and stuff like that. The money's there. Now they just need to make it work. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep going. Yeah, I, I, I guess for me, um, I, 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 like, I appreciate both of you guys' points on this. I think for me, one, is that uh, it does really secure the longevity of AEW. And hopefully now with them having this comfort and this more or less cushion, that bookings can be done better and, um, and you know, uh, lo- the longevity in bookings can be done properly. And I, I kind of like correlate this with like TV shows that are like I mean Watchmen right now is a really hot topic where it's like why would you do you book a series when you don't have confidence that you're going to get a second season so why not just tightly knit it for this first half because you never know what's going to end up happening and sometimes when I start to think about what AEW's been doing some of the storylines does feel overly overly forced quick um, no development. No investment in the women's roster, but now we're starting to see that a little bit kind of fold out a little. So, 
you know, I'm happy as a fan because now it's like, okay, cool. They comfortably got a lot of time now. And, um, you know, probably with them even getting more money uh, with this deal even happening, maybe that does open the door for more talent to be brought in. Uh, Again, extra hours means we get more in the storyline. So, uh, and just more good quality wrestling, period. So, uh, this is absolutely a win. And like Jamal said, no one's watching TNT. And it's so funny because I was trying to watch the rerun, a rerun from uh, AW from uh, yesterday. And when I started looking at the slate of things on TNT, it's absolutely nothing's at all. Matter of fact, whatever the premiere show that kind of pops up when you open up the app, had no interest in it, never even heard of it. And it's just, you know, for this to be the staple of that, uh, for for that television channel, um, I think it just makes sense logistically. And I think that, uh, you know, I think 2020, year two for AEW, and um, obviously this is still season two for uh, Dynamite, I think we're going to start seeing some really, really, really better things. I know we kind of nitpicked about a lot of, or gave a lot of criticism about some of the things they need to work on. But now maybe, so now maybe because they're out of the audition stage that maybe they can really, start laying down exactly their vision and be comfortable with it. But, um, you know, like Jamal said, too, with the second show, do they do you, do you want them to move Dynamite? I mean, excuse me, Dark off of uh, off of YouTube or do you, would you just want a new show? What, what would you what, what do you what would you like uh, like to see with that second show? <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot. And the rumor going around yesterday is that they're going to take AEW Dark and tweak it to put it on TNT. That it wouldn't be an exact copy of what it is now, that there'd be more personality stuff involved or something, or vignettes or video packages of some sort. And to me, that just feels lazy. I, I want I want now that the deal's locked in, now that the foundation is laid. I want to go back to what AEW said it was originally going to be. I want to go back to the idea that they were going to present something different. So with this extra hour of a show that they're going to have, give me something different. Don't just have it be every other darn wrestling show that's out there on TV right now. There's plenty of shows you can just turn it on and yeah, it's in an arena and here's some matches and blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's the standard format. Give me some kind of different presentation. And what I was thinking, if you got an hour, you don't have a ton of time there to begin with. So give me like a different format presentation. Take take it back to like, I'm not saying to do it exactly like this, but like in the 80s, you had primetime wrestling before Monday Night Raw came along. And it was more of a magazine format where you had some hosts, you had Jim Raw, I'm a Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon in a studio, and they'd present some matches and they'd interact with each other in between. And you could show some vignettes, you could show some promo packages, you could do some interviews there with them if you wanted to, to kind of do some more character development with people. And then you throw to some matches during the thing, and that's your show. Where it's not just your standard, oh, we're in the arena, we're this week we're in Topeka, Kansas, here's some more matches from the taping this week. Where it's just more of what you're already seeing. Give me a different spin on it. If you got an hour, you're only going to end up having, you know, after commercials, about 45 minutes to work with. So it's not a ton of time to fill. And I think you could easily do something just a little different so it stands out. And that's what I would like to see out of whatever the second show from AEW is going to be. Give me something that's going to shine some light on who these wrestlers are. So it's not just more matches. We got matches. Give me something more than that on what your extra show is going to be. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, to echo that, I mean, I, I would want to see, I don't want to see necessarily more wrestling. I think that the way Dynamite is structured with, uh, you know, with the matches and they'll, you know, have 20 minute matches on TV, which is unprecedented nowadays. Uh, I think the wrestling's fine. And I also don't, I think that would be doing a disservice to those that can't get TNT or can't get AEW live. Or don't have the wherewithal with for the fight AEW Plus outside of the U.S. Um, for AEW Dark, or if you just don't have cable, uh, AEW Dark is there for you on YouTube. And with the couple hundred thousand people, a couple hundred thousand views rather a week, you know that's pretty good. That's pretty damn good, you know, for the people that want to watch it. With that said, I would like to see something more in the vein of like WCW Worldwide or. Uh, shotgun Saturday night where it's just a show there may be a match but it's basically to break down what happened on the big show of the week and honestly with with Dark having two or three matches and Dynamite being two hours the the venue's uh, uh, card is three to four hours long anyway then what would you do? Where would you add extra matches for the secondary show? I mean it's would you want it a, a venue? Um, would you want the show to be six hours long? I'm not going to an AEW show that's six hours long. <laughs> um, you know, so that's kind of what it is. And these, like, you know, if you've ever been to a Raw taping or a SmackDown taping, like a Raw taping is legit five hours because they'll do a dark match and then they'll do the show, which is three hours, and then they'll tape uh, superstars before that for the 13 people that watch that. And then they'll do an after-show angle that really probably should have aired on TV. And then the show ends at, like, 11.30. So don't do that, AEW. I, I, you know, just recap. There, there's enough. For those that like the storytelling, there's not enough of that. I'm here for the wrestling, so I'm good on that regard. But there are a lot of people that they're bringing in that people have absolutely zero clue of. Mm-hmm. And you can tell by the ratings, that these guys are uh, 30 to 35 plus, and they're lapsed WWE fans that want an alternative to Raw. But they may not know who Darby Allen is, or <clears throat> Big Swole, or Shauna, or <clears throat> Hikaru Shida, or, or any of these names. They're not household names yet. So take this show and use that to promote uh, your baby faces. Use that to promote uh, hell. Give a segment to the Dark Order. Let them take over the show one day. Let them explain a little bit more when you have that time. It doesn't have to be an hour. It's TNT, so it could be an hour and a half. It could be two hours. You know, it, you know, just get your commercial breaks in and you'll be fine. But I really want something that complements Dynamite. Dynamite should be the only thing. If you don't see anything AEW, you should be watching TNT. So they try to do it on AEW Dark, but it does. It feels disjointed because it's on YouTube. Yeah. But this show, no matter what it is, and honestly, it should not be more wrestling. It should be more character building. And if you want to mm-hmm. see more wrestling, then AEW Dark is already here for you. Yeah, it, and I, I will say that, you know, again, this is just going off the limb. If AEW is, AEW Dynamite is, you know, the combination of all their success, reek and reward of them getting a television deal. I'm sure there has to be a lot of executive control with TNT to be able to take this risk to jump back into 
uh, the world of professional wrestling. Uh, do I know that for sure? No. But I will say from my time of watching Being the Elite, I feel like that dynamic of character building, storytelling, all that other characterizations that they present with, you know, that's fully in the vision of the Bucks or the Elite. We don't get that in Dynamite. So to Jamal's point, it would be cool to say like, hey, this is our cash cow here in Dynamite. Let's see what the Bucks can do from an executive, you know, uh, from their standpoint of what they used to create on their, or what they create on a YouTube channel and giving them another platform where maybe the TNT people are a little less hands off and able to really envision everything that really doesn't jeopardize the integrity of their A show. So I will be, I would definitely be for that. That's, that's what I would think I would like to see with, uh, with that extra show is that just let's see the Bucks continue to be visionaries, uh, the Bucks and their wives and everybody else with the elite. And we, we see a lot of the character building of the people we don't know when they do the, I don't like, even if they made it as, you know, even a pseudo reality show of some sort where we see why oh, they God, scouted please, certain please, people. Please don't do that. Yeah. Well, do what I mean, make- what, I, what I mean by that is that I would like to see why, why did Big Swole get signed? You know, we know why, because being elite does jobs of saying like how things happen, but maybe take more time to say like, well, this is why this person is here. And that's the type of time, you know, with them having this extra time, maybe they can actually do that. So we get to see, you know, rough clips of them saying like, well, we were here, we saw this, and this is why this person came in. This is why you should invest in the person. Just like they, you know, they got us invested in that um, that promotion in China. Was it China? OWE. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, they, they have nowhere to have been found, right? Um, That's falling off the face of the planet, stuff. it seems. Yeah, right. But no, 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 they're doing MLW stuff, um, and I think that um, I know Shima has been doing a lot of stuff with um, uh, with, with independent scene. So they, they, the Strong Hearts have been around, not particularly on Dynamite. Uh, same thing. Yeah, like, it's not an AEW. <laughs> yeah, right, Jimmy right, right. Has it on Dynamite per se, but he's definitely been doing MLW stuff with uh, MJF as well. So. Right, but you know that's that's my thing is that uh you know they got us invested in that and they they displayed to us why we should be invested in them and then it never manifested anything. So thus, this is what I'm saying with the Esther show. Maybe they can go back to the roots of that, saying, "Hey, this is why we scouted this person. Here's the vignette for it. Here's this person's match. You know, and now we don't really get that. You just get the person like, "Hey, Chris Statlander's here. Boom, she's a good person. Okay, so, so you know what you do, and I agree with you, and I agree with you, Will. This is what you do." Uh, AEW Dynamite is the show. That's where your uh, your your butter uh, and bread goes together. But this show, it should be the AEW Control Center, hosted by Tony Schiavone and Dasha Gonzalez, and take those elements of dark, and then you sprinkle in you know your 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 heartfelt interviews, your your one on one interviews. Um, you sprinkle in some backstage pro storyline progression. Like, for example, Michael Nakazawa got um, hurt. Well, then maybe, you know, sit him down for three minutes and say, like, hey, how, you know, how do you feel? And an update and stuff like that. Maybe an injury report, uh, yeah. you know, uh, for, for stuff. Since this is a sports-based show, maybe that's where you un- unveil the power rankings for the week uh, for men and women. Uh, and then, of course, you have your women's segment that for progresses these storylines will get you caught up on these storylines just in case you missed uh, Dynamite. Um, and then you maybe you show your match of the week, and then as your featured uh, wrestler, for example, if you're introducing Chris Statlander, then maybe show her best independent match, 
Now, obviously, licensing and stuff like that is going to be a lot trickier, but in a perfect world where everybody loves each other, it would be cool to see Big Swole's best match on the indies in Shimmer or Shine or whatever, mm-hmm. or Chris Statlander's best match, or mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy versus Stokely Hathaway. Just saying, that's just something that people would need to see, um, that they probably wouldn't know to see, if, unless they've heard of, uh, or or from the Northeast or have heard of Bayon Wrestling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um it would be really cool to get a little bit more background. And then, of course, you could fill time with a 20-minute match. I'm not saying that everybody's going to be able to have that, but there's a reason why they brought them there. And let us see the match that brought them to AEW. Yeah. If, well, let's if, move- if, yeah it's not going to happen, but that would be cool to see a Beyond Wrestling match on AEW, you know, second show. Well, let's move on to our next topic really quick. Um, so, and I think that's a brilliant point too. And I think a lot of people would invest into it because it's just other notable record, record, whatever to their, um, to their promotion. So I think that's something that, uh, that's very feasible, but so impact wrestling, and I am just getting back from Texas myself, had a one hell of a time down there. Me and Damien was down there. Uh, Damien might be joining the show in a little, uh, but we were down there for all events, uh, Impact Wrestling from uh, they had Media Day and they also had like a little fan event on Saturday. They also did something with RCW on Friday, uh, right when I was getting in, which was a uh, Bash at the Brewery too, which really encompassed RCW uh, uh, RCW's uh, staff along with a talent, shall I say, with Impact talent, uh, which was uh, which you can find on Twitch. Which we'll talk about Twitch in a second too, uh, but. And then ultimately, Hard to Kill pay-per-view, which was in Dallas, Texas, which was at the Bomb Factory, which is a amazing venue. Um, really, the aesthetics of that venue, just it really it, it really made a point once you came in that you just knew just from that alone that it was going to be a really, really um, fantastic night, and yet it was. But with everything that's happened with Impact Wrestling, uh, from over, you know, 2019, moving over to Access, uh, to ultimately now, this is the first pay-per-view of 2020, and it had some historical ramifications on it. Uh, I would say even for, you know, for the good, the bad, and the controversy and whatnot, that Impact has really legit got a, le- a legit buzz, a, a legit buzz of not just scrutiny, but just people of interest or just talking about them, period. So, is it is it safe to say, gentlemen, is it safe to say that they're, like, finally on the right ship, the right direction here? <laughs> they're definitely in better shape than they were. I think there's they're in a position to start 2020 with a lot of, uh, hopefully, goodwill. Hopefully, a lot of uh, hope that this is going to be a good year for them as compared to... You know, the last few years, I think the biggest question that's always swirled around Impact was just if they were even going to be around by the time the year ended. And now that, you know, they're locked in with with a, a TV home, we know what their TV situation is. We They have, like, a foundation under them for the first time in a, in a long time. So I don't know if I can necessarily say they're... I don't know if it's necessarily a buzz, but they're... I think there's they're in a far stronger position than they have been in a number of years. And that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. They have a lot of work to do and they definitely have, you know, years of uh 
tough times to overcome and, you know, a lot of past uh, foibles to get out of people's minds. There's a lot of, you know, bad taste in people's mouth that I think is the only way you get past that is you just have to slowly work your way out of that. And hopefully in time that'll happen. I think they're on that track. It's just a matter of how long it would ever take to, to change that perception of the company. But I think they're definitely moving in the right direction. It's just a matter of how much progress they can make this year. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. And obviously, they're definitely on the right path. Whatever that path takes them uh, surely remains to be seen. Uh, the real question for Impact is, uh, you know, escaping the hell that's been like the last three or four years uh, for them. And now going forward and, and making statements. Uh, the question is, how do they solidify you know, their future? And, you know, with the roster, uh, there have been rumors that the roster is, you know, going to be shaken up and, you know, wonder, wondering where people are going to go and what they're going to do. Um, there's no, as far as I'm concerned, there's no long-term talent and impact that's going to carry that company. Mm. I don't think... That's I debatable. Don't think, I don't think Tessa Blanchard is, um, unless, she, unless she signed for a multi-year deal, which I did not hear if she did, um, could be that person. Sammy Callahan could be that person. Um, you know, Brian Cage could be that person. Which is also but, rumored like, to be out now. But but then again, none of those people that I just named, uh, who are statement people for Impact, are like under the umbrella, you know, guaranteed. Like, no, they're not leaving until 2024. I'm not hearing these people being locked up for five year deals. So I think it's safe to say that every the people that you think about who are who are. The epitome of Impact Wrestling. What, Moose? I don't think Moose is carrying <laughs> the company for the next three to four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so then if that person, if we don't know who that person is now, that's probably the scariest part about being Impact Wrestling right now. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll easily make this argument. So from that stance, and I'll, and I'll let you rebuttal, obviously, I, it would be foolish for Tessa, first of all, the big guns don't, I, I feel like, besides maybe Moose, because of his gimmick, aren't really discussing the fact of them being signed. But Ace Austin said on Media Day that he is there for three years. So if Ace Austin is locked in for three years, we can ensure Jordan Grace, who's also said she has a significant contract with them. Um, check out that interview on YouTube currently right now. And also Tessa, which has doesn't really have to come out with if she's signed or not, because when you think about this, would Tessa absolutely not be signing Impact, but be working WOW and Impact as a staple in both of the companies and this historical um, run that they just have? And they clearly are invested in her based on this weekend's controversy that she is the future because this is easily the way to opera out if she wasn't to say, OK, we've seen what happened to Brian Cage. If you watch Hard to Kill, Brian Cage is rumored to be uh, on forward to AEW. He got busted open in an RVD match, and he was unable to continue. He was in that ring for one minute, <laughs> and that includes his interest. So that's a sign of when somebody is not part of the future. But when you think about the knockouts division with uh, Taya, Jordan, and Tessa, that right there can carry a company easily. And they're all, I mean, I'm not sure how old Taya is, but Tessa and, 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 um, and, Tessa and Jordan are under 24. So... That's a lot of good wheels under there on that on that notion. 
Uh, Moose is not to be in this conversation right now. But Callahan, obviously, I would think they have investment with him, the way how he's able to metabolize the controversy over the years and make him a focal point. Um, as much as Tessa is part of this historical event, he's also equally part of it. Um, so I would, I would again, and, and matter of fact, with uh, also speaking with Callahan over the weekend, the way how he's involved with the media aspect and, uh, you know, him being able to legit do what he want to do because he says he has a big influence on how the vignettes are done because he has that background in it and how, uh, you know, he talked about a lot about the locker room culture and how it really fits who he is and, you know, when I hear people kind of talk about that, it makes me think like, okay, sure, they're not talking contracts and money because that just happens to be a thing in 2019 where everyone wants to talk about ratings, people's contracts, and so forth. But these people are just doing their job and they're happy. And I think with the names that's on top of the company and what's happening with the company, I think it's going to draw more people. And I think the access deal really makes things a lot more interesting for people as well, too. A pivotal channel that has a, 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 a clear, even platform for multiple uh for multiple promotions and i think it, it it could potentially be a draw easily and the biggest ramifications of it i think are for the people that say as well sure i would like the exposure i would like the money but i also can still work and do all my own personal stuff as well which makes them still a private contractor something that they used to and how they run a business and you know, doesn't put them under the system. So I I don't I don't think that's part of the issue there. But go ahead, Jamal, you can rebut on that. Right. So, so the thing is, well, I don't say these people in jest that, you know, everyone that I named, you know, your Callahan's, your Tessas, your Jordan Glaze, your Tara Valkyries, your Moose, um, couldn't spearhead the company. I'm not saying that that's not possible. Uh, what I am saying is, is that I don't think, other than Tessa, because of the moment that she is in right now, you could argue it's like the 100% face of the company. That doesn't mean that these other people aren't big. But the thing is, is that going forward, uh, you can, same thing with a uh, basketball team, same thing with a hockey team, you need that face of the franchise. That obviously can get it done on the court, but also can sell the merch. And I'm not sure that everyone that I name is going to be that person that's going to bring more eyes to Impact. It's not a matter mm -hmm. of whether or not Impact has a base. They do. It's just that they need to grow. Who are out of those people that are spearheading Impact right now? Aside from Tessa, would you bet money on that are bona fide leaders of the brand? And right now, at least based on the storylines that I see, it's it Tessa's kind of like the only sure one that you got. And as far as we know, unless you know something differently, she's not locked down for the foreseeable future in Impact. I don't I I absolutely do not know her contract stance, but I can say with wow having total investment in her and the way how they just, you know, went against the controversy of the weekend and they put the belt on her. They there has to be a form of investment there. I mean, the parallel to this is Jay Lethal when he came out with his controversy and the company was like, Yeah, and he's gonna be our champ still. So when you think about that, it's like, you know, if if that if that's your guy, then you're gonna stand by them. And I think, you know, when you say somebody's your person, not only does it provide for good faith when it may be time for re-signing, but ultimately now where it stands now. So I, I, I you know, and I, and, and I get, I get it that a lot of the names that's in there doesn't have all the razzle dazzle behind them because you know I think Taya is definitely one of the names that you put amongst some of the best women all over the world, and maybe Impact never had that really you know presentation 
that made people want to gravitate to him. I mean, they didn't do the YouTube thing like the Bucks did, and you know the the no the notoriety that Jericho has and stuff like that. But if you pay attention to the brand, I think with the deal that they have solidified, which also went down in October, so they're just at their full month mark too. Is that you know it's worth a watch because there are easily some people that um, that I think would really sit well with this uh, fan base in the current state of professional wrestling right now. Will, um, before I let you get in there really quick, I said Damien was going to join. Mr. Damien Salty G is on the show, ladies and gentlemen. How's it going? It's going well, everybody. How's it going over here? Not bad, not bad. We're just, just picking up on something. And again, I, I mentioned me and you were down um, in Texas this week, all things Impact Wrestling. And I'll mm-hmm. just rephrase the question over for you again. So now that with everything that's been happening, as far as them getting a lot of buzz, um, the access deal that kind of put them in a really positive direction, if you ask me, uh, do you feel like they're finally on the right ship um, uh, as far as as far as moving in the right direction now? After all the years of the Dixie era and the Hooties, the Hootie <laughs> era, do you feel like they finally are moving <laughs> things in the right direction? I am going to tepidly say yes. And the reason why I say that is because there's one thing from this past weekend that I feel they're still missing, and that's an identity. Do they want to be a wrestling show? Do they want to be a sports entertainment show? Are they trying to make their workers or characters, performers larger than life? Or is it the company line? Because Two Chains and I pretty much the whole weekend heard love working with this group of guys and gals from the vast majority of talents. So is it one of those where this is as close to we are family and that's the whole point of impact behind the scenes and for you know making it more worker friendly? Is that their their niche? Uh, and that's, I think... For me, what I've seen uh, covering it this weekend and just from afar and even now being a little bit more invested, uh, to go off of what we were saying before, before I came on, when we look at any other names that can carry the mantle, (laughs) you name them all and even I'm thinking, nope, no, no, maybe, no. And the top two names aside from Callahan are Tessa and and Taya, and maybe that's it. Maybe Impact is the home of intergender wrestling. You know, maybe that's, that's also an identity that mm-hmm. no one else is doing. Right, and maybe that's the way they spin into it. Um, because you put those two at the top, and I know you're going to lose a a lot of the old school wrestling fans out there. The you know, as I like to say, the NWA power type people or the sports entertainment people. But if you're, maybe they learn something from Lucha Underground where they pick up the ball where they failed in terms of character development and storylines and having the women wrestle the men uh, competitively and let that be part of your ongoing stories. So you could have all types of stuff. You can have the intergender tag team championships, mm-hmm. the intergender championship, the mid-card intergender championship, or you can have your casual, you know, you have your own spin on the 24-hour, uh, 24-7 title. Uh, I think Impact Now has, like you were all saying, the eyes 
of the wrestling world on them, being that with WWE, the, the build to Mania has been rather slow, slow burning, and Ring of Honor is now kind of trying to raise themselves up off the ground. And AEW, by all accounts, can coast with their little four-year extension. Uh, so they, can, they don't have to go balls to the wall. So I honestly believe if you really want to do something different, if you're Impact, you steer into the intergender wrestling. And mm-hmm. you yep. kind of make that a thing that you want to throw all your, your everything behind. And you can pick up a whole new brand of fan who probably saw the Tessa stuff notwithstanding, who saw a lot of strong women wrestling on this card, especially for the knockouts division, which is pretty deep, even though people say that they should get more shine. That could be the angle they go with. I, I, I yep. will, before I let you get in there, I just really want a question. You say steering to intergender wrestling. Has it not been defined? Is it not evident that that's what they do? I mean, not all the- in. How is it not all in when Tessa is the champ of what was used to only be a masculine? Uh, Who else is wrestling the guys besides Tessa? That's, right. is That's just it. Besides no Tessa, one... is anyone else wrestling guys? Exactly. Well, now that but now that they made her the staple of it, now it has to happen. It's going to be a thing. And, and again, you... well, because okay. think about it this way: think if you do that right away, if you if Taya comes out next week and says. Well, I want a piece of Tessa, not for my not not for my knockout championship, but for the world title. Is there anyone? Is there any other men she can that they're going to allow her to wrestle? Because what if you do that? Does that take away the special thing that Tessa has going on now with you know now with Sam trying to get back the belt and everything like that? Does that dilute the importance of Tessa winning this title? I, I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. If, if it, the focus is in the wrestling, then the focus should be that any woman who wants to do it can do it. So I think that Tessa had, was probably the test dummy in that really notable name that, you know, if anybody can get behind it, if there's anybody, if there's any one person that they can get behind doing it, it would be her just because of her name. But we all know that plenty of other women on this roster have done it from all over. So, you know, I think it's more of a more of a uh, I ain't gonna say damage control, but more of a just a, like a sample testing of saying like we want to do this wholeheartedly, right. but let's do it around this person that we know everyone is fully invested in and see how it works. And now, I think now that you you, you pull the plastic off of it and you truly let them go at it. But well, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you go ahead and get in there now. Yeah, yeah. What my thinking is this. Since they pulled the trigger on Tessa, and that's been her calling card for this whole build, is having her chasing the Impact title, chasing Sammy Callahan, carrying the torch for this intergender thing. That is the one different thing that Impact is doing. Like Damien was saying, that intergender is the one thing they can hang their hat on that isn't widely being done elsewhere. So, absolutely, I think that's the right angle to play for now. And I would think for now... You don't want to just have it become something you see everybody doing there. You got to keep that uniqueness of it. And I think the key move is to keep Tessa as that signature star who is doing something totally different than everybody else there. The whole issue, if you're impacted, to rewind a little bit to what you were saying earlier with like, you know, the, the locker room environment, we're a, we're a tight knit family and all this. I think that's actually a really smart move on their part. If that's what they're doing, if a lot of what they're doing is rebuilding the morale there, that will help 
with hopefully getting other people to consider, hey, maybe I should go to Impact. Instead of having it be the place that for years was like, you know, if I go there, who knows if I'm going to get paid? If I go there, who knows if they're going to be there in six months? You got to also shake that from the worker's perspective, that that pers- that perception of impact being a destination as opposed to either someplace that you're stuck or someplace that you're just passing through till you get a better offer. That's also something they really got to work on and just having stability and a show that's compelling. And if it's going to have a steady, has a steady TV show now and they're steadily running shows and everything's good. That's going to help a ton with that. Cause you got to remember if you're anybody trying to go there, Impact's in a very, you know, tight position where it's like they're not they can't pay you the most of anybody out there. They can't provide you with the biggest stage. They can't provide you with, you know, the hottest stars, co-workers to be around. But they got to provide something that these other groups aren't doing. And if they can provide you like, hey, we have a really great encouraging locker room. We got a locker room that's like, you know, going to help you improve as a talent. We got a steady platform. We have a TV show we can put you on. We we can really invest in you here or something like that. That's going to change a lot of what the perception of impact is with both the wrestlers and the people watching. I think that's right now for 2020. That's got to be their goal. It's just real simple things like that, which is improving the perception of who they are, because there is no quick fix for anything they're doing. Mm -hmm. So staying the course with Tessa, I think that's the move. And continuing with the unique presentation of her, I think that's about all you can do right now. I can't think of anything else, you know, any other snap your fingers. Oh, they can do this. You know, it's what, what other options do they have? It's just the nature of what the playing field is currently for them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to the next topic, but just really quickly, do anybody have any last remarks on this? Uh, real, so real quick, I think that the biggest thing about Impact, uh, you know, kind of what everyone said, it's not necessarily that they should delve into indigenous wrestler, but they should just wrestle. It doesn't become special when you tell me how special it is 17 times an hour, Michael Cole. So just let whatever the storylines progress naturally, let them progress. And if it involves an intergender match for the championship, then so be it. Yeah, but I'm with you on that. I think that's kind of a thing that they need to go and, and do going forward. Um, and also, uh, another thing is, once they don't, you put too much credit, or you give too much credit for the casual fan. And I think that if we're talking about impact, on a level that should compete as a third brand nationwide, um, you know, they need to, A, tour and get it, physically get out there so they get people talking. That's why they were so big in India. Um, they went over there. Um, and that's why they were so big in England. They had a TV deal and went over there. TNA was massive in England in the early 2000s. So they need, you know, a, a, obviously everybody wants a better TV deal. But realistically, they need to tour. Um, not just three cities, not just around the year, but they need to tour. And, and I hope that, A, they come here, um, and B, that whoever their driving force for the brand is, uh, they get that going and get it going quickly. Even WWE needs a John Cena and a Hulk Hogan and a Rock. They're just very good at creating that person. Uh, right now, that person in AEW is Cody Rhodes. But I'll be damned if Darby Allen isn't in that conversation as well. Who is that person for impact? 
that answer is not as defined as it should be right now. Fair point. All right, well, let's move on to our third topic. Also, I forgot real quick on Impact. Yeah, RBD and uh, whatever whoever her name is. Katie, that was great. Katie Forbes. Yeah, they got banned on. <laughs> they got banned on Twitch. That stuff happened. Twitch is very protective about their audience, considering that tons of kids watch it. You want to see the clip? It's on YouTube. I don't need it. Dude, we saw enough of that this weekend. Yeah, I'm And good. you know how uncomfortable I was just watching it, thinking, <laughs> what? What are we seeing? And... Oh. and the midlife crisis angle is just good for you, Rob Van Dam. Just good for you having <laughs> orgies on television. I don't know. And still doing $20, $20 photo ops too. Like, good for Oh that, my man. God. Yeah. Can, can that get any more indie and shindy than, <laughs> and carny than after the pay per view, Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes, 20 bucks for a picture? Are you serious? And that line wrapped around the building. So they made a good chunk of money that night. But yeah, yeah, let's move on to the last topic. So I, I, this is the topic I really, really, really been excited to talk about is the state of ROH. Now, we didn't call it AEW, we didn't cut it, cover Impact, but ROH, another promotion that we've been uh, uh, critical about because they have not been a player in the game in this last year. They just haven't done anything to create the buzz. Yes, they got these notable names. The things that we said Impact didn't have. Um, they also have a television deal, but whatever. Not even going to get into that. But nonetheless, Impact, I feel like, has done, like, I think they have made, re- in recent, in this recent month, they have really made and announced, uh, which I would say, some major, or they made some changes. They've made some changes, and they've also, uh, they've, they they have uh, changes in announcements, shall I say? And I want to get, I want to throw this to you guys very broadly. From the stuff that you know about with the news, uh, do you feel like finally, very, very broadly thinking, do you feel like finally they have opened their eyes and they have finally embraced that they are failing at um, in this world of professional wrestling right now and gra- and, and and really reaching other audiences and just being a player in the game right now. Do you think that they finally have slightly opened up their eyes to this, reevaluated, and are making the right steps to get back on track? And I, I, I thought I thought this at you will first. <laughs> okay, here's the thing: I can't imagine that there's any way ROH went through the last six months, or heck, you take even more back. Let's say the last nine months. Let's take the amount of time from last. April when they ran Madison Square Garden with New Japan. There's no way they came off that show and then started spending the rest of the year seeing their audience dwindle and dwindle and perform in front of emptier buildings all over the place, no matter where they were in the country. There's no way that didn't happen and eventually them not get the message that, oh, damn, we've had the bottom fall out. And I can't think of any other way to describe it. The bottom fell out. And there is no buzz about Ring of Honor throughout the fall, through the end of the year, that I guess hopefully they finally got the message that something had to change. 
Now you're asking if you know they've made the right changes. I don't. There's no way to know that yet. What we found out last week is it looks like Marty Skrull is uh, sticking around, and the big surprise of the whole deal was that uh, he's also going to uh, be getting the pencil and have a significant role in booking the company. Apparently, Delirious is not completely out as Booker, but he is uh, still going to be involved. But Marty is going to have a role of some sort with the future direction of Ring of Honor in 2020, and. If that's a good thing, who knows? I have no idea what kind of a what Marty brings to the table in that respect to know if this is a good thing or something to be excited about. But what it is, it's a move. It's a move. It's a step. It's a change. And if anything, they had to change something. So I look at it this. I can't think of anywhere they could go further down short of Sinclair finally like closing up the checkbook and saying uh, this ain't working. Mm-hmm. So. They got to start somewhere. This is somewhere to start. Whether it helps or not, I don't know. But I'm glad to finally see them make a move and change something in how they're doing business. Yeah, and look, I'll just say really quickly, no one thought, okay, I'm not going to say no one. A mass majority of people did not believe that Marty was going to stay with ROH. NWA, obviously... Uh, gave people indications that he was definitely on his way out, so on and so on. Uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to, you know, join his fellow elite buddies. And then there was the possibility of WWE always. But the fact that they were able to keep that name, a huge name that was potentially going to be a free agent within the company by whatever means it takes, that's a. I think that's a significant move. Not to mention, too, the type of money Marty got. And then... Um, I know that uh, his contract puts him over for 40 events that he'll be in charge of with a significant amount of money for each event. So uh, and, and, and when we talk about the money guy, like I think the guy's going to be really happy for a while. And, uh, you know, with anybody being able to be happy at their job, then that should possibly mean good things to come. So they got it done. Nonetheless, they got it done. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, uh, whoever's next. So from what we talked about previously, you know, with Ring of Honor kind of fighting from from, from below, you know, th- a couple weeks ago we brought up the Jeff Cobb thing and how Jeff Cobb, you know, is able to work his other events but only come signing a new deal but is able to come back when they need him, uh, similar to, to Moxley and AEW. And then when you come, you know, you talk about Bandito getting a, a new contract as well. So it seems as if, you know, adding on the Marty thing, that a, uh, I was going to call him AEW, Ring of Honor seems to understand, okay, our potential top draws might be leaving. We got to do everything we can to stay at least top heavy and just to maintain relevancy. Now, those are three names, you know, combine that with Jay Lethal and a few others. It's a pretty... St- stable roster when you talk about that that main event scene on that upper mid-card scene uh what i'm curious to see from here on in does that mean the negotiations for everyone changes does dalton castle's negotiation changes uh because i know there's been talk about him potentially jumping elsewhere uh you know you have the mainstays like the briscoes do the briscoes get to be able to work booking for you know the tag team division is that something that that now they'll be interested in talking with Sinclair. And you know what Will said about the checkbook being opened, maybe they are. Maybe all of a sudden they saw the landscape and thought, uh, 
well, either we, we become defunct or we at least try to maintain the third brand because for a while they were the, the, the third brand or second brand before AEW came around. And this is them trying in 2020 to undo a lot of negative press that was leading up to probably the latter part of 2019. You, to piggyback off Will, there is no way in hell you have that kind of a show at Madison Square Garden only to fall flat on your face because you lost a few, a few pieces. That was a complete crumble job. So for them to actually still say, okay, we're here still. This is the bottoming out period. We still have major players that still want to be here. Now, the women's division, we've talked about that. That's the next order <laughs> of business for them is to finally care about the women's division one way or another. But am I surprised? Yes, I am pleasantly surprised that they're actually attempting to change their product up, even if it means changing the contracts, the way they treat their talent. Because we've seen that this week with Evolve as well, with Gabe Sapolsky, Apparently not paying talent still. <laughs> so maybe what this does in a vacuum is just allow people to allow more. We always say allow more workers to get work, but now it kind of holds everyone else accountable in terms of booking and in terms of finances to just take care of your good talent or just take care of your talent period or else they're going to go and be happy elsewhere. So that's why I feel that, that this new thing with ring of honor and I don't think everybody's going to get booking privileges here, but what were they going to do? Marty had to get something because contrary to popular belief, he wasn't going to uh, WWE. There's too many variables with Diana and some other things. He might've gone to AEW, but he might've been kind of diluted into the mid card and maybe he just sees himself as a main event player. And that's why he decided to stick around with ring of honor. Okay, so the short answer is uh, to no. I don't believe Ring of Honor. Um, I don't trust Ring of Honor. And and really what it comes down to is that we've seen this before. When everybody was talking about how, well, no, NXT is is doing gangbusters and this is great. And hell, NXT may be actually be the uh, you know, second major brand in the, in the, comp- in the country and, and all these other things. And the question was, well, what about Ring of Honor? Well, what about them? Uh, their storylines are too hard to follow. Their TV deal is shit. And, you know, we don't know who's going to be there because by the time you see a thing on TV, they've already had two pay-per-views and nothing's ever, you know, caught up in continuity. And now what do they do? They change their, uh, they, had a, they legit had a 60-inch TV as their video board, you know, way back when, you know, five, six years ago. <laughs> um, if you remember those days. Um, and... <laughs> They would run, you know, the shows in these uh, places. Uh, we went to a show, too, James and I, in South Baltimore, um, you know, for a Ring of Honor show. Lovely show. Great show. But it was just in a bad venue. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Is this an actual company backed by a corporation? Or is this an independent show that just happens to be in somebody's, like, VFW? So then they, ste- they stepped it up. They stepped up their production. They stepped up their lighting. They stepped up a lot of these things, and then they yeah, still yeah. fell flat. And then now, a couple years later, we're at it again, where we're talking about, well, how can Ring of Honor survive, and how can they step it up, and how can they do this, this, and this? Why are we still giving them the, the benefit of the doubt that these, there are certain things that they need to do to catch up? Ring of Honor is backed by Sinclair. 
one of the biggest media companies in the country. They should not be playing catch up to anyone, yet here we are. We're worried about the talent. We're worried about the rosters, improprieties in the dressing room, uh, you know, who's booking matches, the television deal in, in, in major markets, particularly this one where it comes on at God knows who uh, time of the night. Why are these still issues in 2020 for Ring of Honor? And the thing is, is that the culture of Ring of Honor has not changed. The product has not changed. So why should I believe that Ring of Honor as a company will change? Right over. Right. So <laughs> there's a lot of this. 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 A little bit more detail. I want to kind of pour into this too. So like we talk about them being backed by Sinclair, which means that they significantly have a checkbook to uh, put out for their talent. Marty got 500k. It's a number that I would think that no one in Rick and Honor could get, but obviously wrong. So, you know, there's a lure to that. But the biggest other thing is, too, is that a lot of times, which I've said on previous shows, that people tend to give Vince McMahon a lot of hell about his old traditional style. Let's not forget that uh, Ring of Honor is also held it by an older man that has very similar tendencies to Vince McMahon as far as their, as their booking. And also a bit of an ego to the fact of like, hey, we survived, you know, losing Daniel Bryan and them. And then we lost the Young Bucks and them and we're still here. And they kind of rode that until now the wheels are completely off and they're just kind of grinding on rotors right now. But looks like they done pulled into the mechanic by having Marty take a booking role. So I think that's a significant tire to put on. I think, and, you know, we, we can quickly talk about this really, uh, really quick, too, is that, you know, them having a show on in February 9th uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, at a good venue at the UNBC Event Center, which is a free show, which I think is a good step into uh, in, into goodwill. And, you know, it's going to get people to come out, and we'll see how they, you know, they treat their fans and, how they get their fans invested to want to come back. Um, it's on a it's on a Sunday, three o'clock. Good timing, so it's available for everyone to go. It was completely free. Like even Ticketmaster didn't try to put their hands in your pocket. So uh, I'm definitely happy about that. And all seats, not just the bleachers, just everything. Get a front row seat for free. So you know, I think that's a significant step. And then obviously the big, the other, uh, the other thing that I think is really significant too is what they're kind of doing. So we talked about talent coming into uh, into Ring of Honor. How do they recruit? How do they bring in fresh new names, you know, uh, off the indies to make them want to work Ring of Honor? When there's a lot of reasons as to why you shouldn't trust them. But Future of Honor, which is, you know, in the, in the past year, have announced that they've had a deal that kind of works with MCW, Maryland Championship Wrestling, uh, Team 3D Academy and somebody else, I forget, which basically means from the indies, you have a legit platform where these towns could get some recognition, um, some notable training, and eventually it could be um, signed into Ring of Honor. So that was the thing that kind of just happened. But um, at the time, I believe, you know, whoever the head coaches were at the time, um, those people have thus moved on now with a really notable name running that i think that also changes everything too so now that jonathan gresham is the 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 head trainer and that he is uh running uh uh future of honor which is the ring of honor dojo 
uh, now that he's the head coach and, and the head trainer and the head uh, uh, talent scout, I think that absolutely brings in. Uh, I, I think that absolutely brings in not only just a really reputable name and stand up guy, but also as a draw. But not just that to double down into it. It also puts him in a recruitment standpoint where now he's able to go out, find talent and to figure out, you know, how he can bring in new people. And, you know, with his IQ and everything, I think that not only does he bring in really good talent, but a good judge and character that should really tip Ring of Honor into the right direction. Considering his stance of being around professional wrestling all over the world, the ups and downs of ROH, somebody who really wants to really change, you know, and, and bring back honor, as he said, for Baden, bring back honor to his promotion. I think that, you know, giving him that position absolutely puts them in. Uh, push them in the right direction. Doesn't mean I'm so, but uh, I do like what's what's happening right now. So you have all of these pieces that are uh, going on and they're reshuffling uh, things behind the scenes, whether it's Marty getting a piece of the book or uh, Gresham taking over the training duties. Um, A free show as a thank you to the fans since they're based out of Baltimore. Um, why there's still so much on the corporate level on Sinclair side that still hasn't been talked about, still hasn't been addressed, and there's mm-hmm. still nagging issues to me uh, that you know still go unchecked. Why do we still believe that if with any sports team, the players can only do so much, the coaches can only do so much more than that? You got to go higher to the general manager, to the owner. To say, what are you doing with your team? And I think that for Ring of Honor, there really isn't a uh, any culpability on that front. So, yeah, sure. Marty doing a thing, maybe, and Jonathan Gresham doing a thing, maybe in a step in the right direction. And in the same way that up in their production budget and getting some actual video boards and uh, licensing music and stuff like that a couple more, like five years ago, was a step in the right direction. But these things haven't changed at the top. So until I see major infrastructure changes for Ring of Honor, especially regarding their TV deal and, you know, the venues that they book and things like that, then it's just it's just putting a pig, uh, lipstick on a pig. <laughs> you can dress it up. It's still a pig. And I'm not convinced that Ring of Honor, uh, you know, for my money, and that's what it really comes down to at the end of the day, Ring of Honor's putting on a show. Do you go? And until they give me a reason to continuously uh, view the product and care about it, and we talked about with the longevity of Impact and how you know the stars that they have, you know how many more stars that they can make. I mean, Ring of Honor, legitimately, how many stars do they have that will keep you engrossed week to week? You got to be able to see them first. <laughs> well, no, no, let's let's assume that they're you know that they're they actually are visible on TV. Yeah. But how many stars do they actually have that will keep you interested from week to week? I mean, personally, you know, I can name two. Yeah, yeah, they 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 are definitely potentials. They're, they're definitely star potentials there. Uh, but it's just the fact that do we care now? I mean, Dalton Castle was one of the hottest names what two or three years ago, and then that you know because of his body just needing to recover. I'm um, that kind of fizzled away. And we all know well, that Jay yeah, Lethal I mean, could do it. But I mean, like to be fair, 
Lethal was 75 years old. Castle <laughs> did get injured. Taven did get injured. Um, yeah. And, you know, they've had some other people get it, like MCMG, you know, they were injured. So a ton of bad luck. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But the bottom line is, is that the one thing the AEW has going for them um, is that they're actually making stars. Whether they had, you know, uh, a bubbling independent career, I'm talking about for a mainstream audience, Orange Cassidy is over. Like, period. Yeah. And, huge. and that's not <laughs> huge, ridiculously huge. And that's not necessarily, um, you know, indicative of his independent career because just going to say, because he definitely was way over on the indies. I don't think that made him a star. They just actually got a star. If you ask and, me. And, well, he's no, a television star when, in regards but, to that. But to be fair, though, as we've seen with NXT transitioning to the main roster, these audiences are not transferable. True. So yeah. I'm not going to put all of my money on the fact that Orange Cassidy is a star on the independent scene and that audience will translate and follow him to AEW. That's not always the case, no matter yeah, how but, big you are in NXT. But don't, let's not forget, too, um, we're going to get to our closing remarks in a second, is that the elite are nothing but indie uh, uh had it in the audience. All their marks are just. But they literally built the brand, so I think that's that's not fair. That's yeah, not but, fair. Trans- but, but transferable. Those people who probably were not watching, or probably could have been watching WWE, who knows? But all those people that they that they've gathered from all over the world, they turn to AEW because their elite, you know, fan favorite, or their favorites are on TV. You know, but you and know they, 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 they go out. Stuff. Yeah, well, different because all all in was built around these guys. No matter what the show was, you needed to be in Chicago or you know Hoffman States, beautiful Hoffman States, Illinois, because <laughs> you wanted to see history happen involving these guys. And that was still after a several month long event. Cody's list, working the Ring of Honor, leaving Japan. That yeah. was that. There was precedent already there. But then, which is why I say that's different than Orange Cassidy, and even still, whether it's Orange Cassidy or um, or you know SCU being a thing, um, I know that you know Pentagon and uh, the Lucha Brothers have TV time already on like in other ventures, but you know for for them to be continuously over and to bring other people in to continuously to be over like Kukarashita is over rio was over rio rio was made a star that that's the name that i uh, absolutely get but everybody else they recruited were already stars in the fashion i'm, I'm not or they i'm not going to buy the fact that people were buying hikaru shida shirts uh, all over the country i give you that one too but like yeah no no one else like not jungle boy isn't a star uh uh, what is Marco, Marco, Marco Stunt isn't a star. Luchasaurus yeah, is. Luchasaurus is a star. Luchasaurus is a star. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give okay. you that one too. So, in, so since October, on TV, Orange Cassidy is nuclear hot. Luchasaurus. Yeah, but he's mm-hmm. always been nuclear hot. He's always been nuclear hot. But the God people has, watching this TV so show so don't know who he was before this. Yeah, but it's, they didn't him, make him, him and Luchasaurus. In my mind, him and Luchasaurus are the exceptions to the rule. They are the examples of right gimmick, right time, right stage, and people have just latched on to him. It's, it's I, would add, I would add Darby Allen to that list as well. He's he's the next one. Absolutely. I'll give you I'll give you Darby yeah. Allen. Well, he's on right. his way. He's not he's not there yet, yeah, but he's, he's on, on his way. way. He's on his right. way. 
So okay, like so, MG, so, MJF has already quick. been a star. He got bigger. I, I'll say that. Orange Cassidy so, was already a star. Got bigger. I give you that. But like, did they so, like, make stars? No. Where okay. they did they make them stars now? I'm willing. I'm willing to. I, I think that if Orange Cassidy goes not anywhere else, but if Orange Cassidy showed up on SmackDown tomorrow, uh, or on SmackDown on their debut show on Fox, people would go. Who? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that because of the mainstream WWE vacuum is what it is. I'm just saying that as we've seen before in NXT, these people, Bo Dallas, for example. <laughs> exactly. So how many people? And that's within the, the universe of WWE. And if you t- take a guy like Bo Dallas, granted Balor got hurt. But we played the NXT, you know, uh, game before. Where you know, where are they? Where are they now? Before, but in the fact that AEW was able to take, or hell, I even concede the point, maintain a, a, an indie person's stardom, um, where generally everybody on AEW, uh, except for maybe that, well, Brandy and the Nightmare Collective, uh, Mid Card Vortex of Evil, but <laughs> everybody's getting a reaction. Obviously, some people are getting a louder reaction than others. You know, but we know what it is. So, other than the women's stuff in general, the AEW is are elevating people. I'm not convinced that ROH uh, is able to do that, and that's the one thing the AEW—not the one thing, but that's the biggest thing the AEW has made been able to do. They've been able to take these people and and elevate them I- to the next level. I, I, I'm going to say this in the closing remarks for this is that AW it has the new car smell as we've already said what the Bucks have done period in the world of professional wrestling make anything that around them touch the gold you put Jericho on top of that Obviously. they have literally went super sane at this point so at this point now anything that's around their atmosphere is going to automatically get looks now we'll beg to differ who? Andy Rose would beg to differ. Uh, to well, the that's not true. But, 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 but let's just be honest. When this nucleus of people that we're talking about was working ROH, wasn't ROH must watch? Now that they're gone, are you watching them? Wherever they go, it's a heat seeker on them. So this talent that was already stars on the indies putting us to them just automatically make them bigger. But it doesn't make them... All, they were already stars. So again, a good comparison is LeBron James, no matter what team this guy goes on, he's a mega star. Anybody that's on that team with him is automatically, if they were a star at a point, they become a superstar because it's just part of what happens when you are around them. Well, and that's a, you just brought up a good point because you're comparing it to sports, and we talk about it all the, all the time as sports fans, you know, are you loyal to the team or to the athlete itself? And I can speak, you know, to my own personal experience with Ring of Honor. Every, the reason I was brought into it is because they had people like Kyle O'Reilly and they had the New Japan connection. The first match I ever saw was Kyle O'Reilly versus Shibata. And for me, that's what drew, you know, brought me into Ring of Honor. I'm not a Matt Taven guy. That's not enough to keep my attention. So I'm more, I'm of the variety of, I will follow the athlete's career to the next stage of, and appreciate the work they do. Uh, it makes me less of a fan of the actual promotion. Yeah. Uh, unless they start building stars, which what we're talking about, the fact that they haven't really over the past, what, 
two years. Mm-hmm. I haven't really built a new star for you to say, huh, I'm going to mm-hmm. tune into their pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. If, you know, aside from the Bucks, aside from when Cody was there for a little while, when everyone thought he was going to win the title at first, you know, and then Jay Lethal's been there for 75 years. And okay, all I keep hearing about Lethal is good guy to have in the community. Good great, net, you know, good professional. But what else? <laughs> I'm not tuning in to watch Jay Lethal. Not unless he's doing a Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation or a Ric Flair impersonation. Yeah, not in 2020. No. no. The bottom line is, is that Ring of Honor is putting on a free show and in, in Baltimore in February. And the first thing I did was check Google Maps to see how long, how bad traffic would be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yep, like, it was just a no-brainer. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right off 495, so it's not that bad. But I will say this, too. To, to, to this point is that hopefully when you put somebody like Gresham, who's been in the struggle in the jungle with, with ROH, and you put him in, in, in talent recruitment, that he's out working the indies and, and being able to travel the indies, that this may be able to be something where you could say a notable name brings in a star from the indies, but can always make them it give them the platform for them to flourish. That is the issue here. But it seems to be a step in the future. And maybe, and just maybe Marty, who's also a former pseudo elite guy, putting them around him could possibly uh, pay the same dividends as the Bucks. We don't I'm know. Cu- I'm curious to ask the, ask the group, can, and it could be a yes or no question. It's fine. Can Gresham carry Ring of Honor eventually? He does. I don't. I wouldn't see why. Right. He he's. I think he's at. He's done everything. Period. Around now, he's worked every promotion all over the world. I think he's put in this administrator, not administrator, but in this in this position because of what he wants to do. He wants to be able to make the company better, but maybe not single handedly happen to do it. By working the matches, you know, he's already worked the matches. He's already, again, he's been all over, you know. So, you know, maybe this is his other way to 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 make things better, you know. Mm-hmm. Just so, curious. I mean, to be fair, I originally said no, and I'm still going to stick with that because, as much as I like a team, I like the players, I like the history, uh, I like the relevance of that team as it relates to how they're doing in the season. I don't really watch a team because a coach devised a really well-defined playbook <laughs> or an offensive or defensive coordinator or a goalies coach, depending on your sport. You clearly don't really watch good college football. Plan. You clearly I don't do not watch college football. I absolutely do not watch college football. Yeah, that's it exactly right. It bores me to tears. Yeah, so, yep. that's exactly right. That's the same philosophy. You're, you're on par. Th- thanks. So, I mean, <laughs> I think that in, in general – when I say that, you say that can Gresham carry the team? As a wrestler, no. Not because he's not good, just because he doesn't have the name of the star power and the gravitas behind him. That Gresham, as much as I love the guy, and he's one of my favorites, point blank period, he's not John Cena. Um, and he's not that person that the, that the kids need him to be yet. Now, but I think that his personality, he's not, that's not his personality anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, yeah. With, with with that said, though, is he more in, is he invaluable behind the scenes? Given tutelage, is he that veteran player on the on a team that can mold the young guys and bring them to the point where they need to you know to carry the next generation? Absolutely, he's invaluable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. as much as I hate to say that I do not watch a particular team or I do not support a team because of the coach, 
a supporter because of the history and the players. I think that applies to Ring of Honor too. I really just like Ring of Honor because a it's our like kind of hometownish promotion, being pretty close together. Um, but also they do have history, and I do remember the uh, Nigel McGinnis days and such. But going forward, what do they have to look forward to now? And that's just what we talked about about Impact. And I think the question's a lot more dire for Ring of Honor because we we crafted a path for uh, for Impact. Their path is a little bit more defined. Ring of Honors is not. And it's not just, and just like Allen Iverson, you can't win the championship by yourself. So they're going to need more than Marty. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, go, go ahead. Let me, this real quick. Let me add this real quick as we finish up about the whole thing about Gresham. No, he's, he's not the guy. But thinking back on Ring of Honor's recent history, its recent time, Gresham reminds me totally of the guy they used to call Mr. Ring of Honor, Roderick Strong. He's mm. the ultimate utility player in that you can plug him in in any darn role and he'll be able to make it work. He could be the champion for a short run. He could be a tag guy. He could be a mid-card guy. You could plug him in anywhere. He can work behind the scenes. He can work on elevating talent up the card. Any role you want to put him in, you can put him in. He's not the guy you're going to build everything around but he can fill the role that you need to fill at any given time, I think. And that is absolutely invaluable. What Ring of Honor needs is that intangible, just something extra from somebody that they just don't have right now. And it's not something they can snap their fingers and get. Very similar to the situation Impact's in. But Gresh is like, I wouldn't let him go, if, you know, for, for anything. You can, you can do all kinds of stuff with him. It's just a matter of how you want to use him at a given time. So that that's my thought. Wanted to get that in there real quick. Yeah. All right, guys, quickly, give me closing remarks on um, other little things that are happening around the world of wrestling. Then let's wrap this up. Uh, rest in peace to Rocky Johnson. Uh, the soul man uh, was 75 and he uh, passed away yesterday. So uh, rip. Um, Luke Harper should go to Ring of Honor. I think it would be mm. most mutually uh, beneficial to both of them. He could use a fresh start from being underused and on TV for so little. And Ring of Honor needs a centerpiece. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that it couldn't be Gresham, not that it can't be Marty, but they need, much like Moxley coming in, they need that person that makes you go, okay, let's see what happens. So, yeah, Rick, Luke Harper to Ring of Honor is a good look. Anybody, anything else about this? Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley should be an interesting match on paper. Um, I'm curious to see what they do considering that Rhea just won the title and mm-hmm. Bianca's had about what, two other opportunities at the title. Is this her swan song to get moved over to Raw SmackDown? Because I feel that they still, WWE would still want Rhea to be a part of NXT because she'd be a top draw for that promotion or part of the promotion. So I'm curious to see what they do with, uh, with her and a a little under the radar has been Isaiah Swerve Scott's ascent or ascension throughout the developmental system. Now becoming a regular NXT being part of the fatal four way. Now, as of yesterday's results, been on two Oh five live appeared on main roster pre-shows, uh, how long has it been? About a year and change, even even maybe even a little less than that. That he's been WWE Performance Center property. I think around like February, March. He 
went around the same time that uh, DJ Z did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. that's a that's a pretty fast ascent. Uh, and the fact that he just oozes charisma when he comes on screen, and he's a good worker. So I'm curious to see what NXT does with him. Uh, we've talked about Keith Lee ad nauseum, but for me and for my money that I'm really focused on is his continued ascent in NXT. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll piggyback off of that to finish up since we didn't really talk much about WWE tonight or NXT. Uh, I hate battle royals for the most part. I think battle royals are boring (laughs) as hell. If it's just a regular old battle royal and it's not like the Royal Rumble where there's something big on the line, I'm assuming like whatever and I tune out. The women's battle royal on NXT last night was fun. It had a ton of depth in it. And if you don't necessarily need to watch the whole thing, but the home stretch of it, like the last five, seven minutes were really, really well laid out and set up a lot of new stuff. We got exciting stuff happening with Shotzi Blackheart. You had a great moment when Mercedes Martinez and Shayna Baszler, Casey Catanzaro showed back up. As we mentioned, Bianca Belair got a big shine out of it. Lots of exciting things happening in the end of that battle royal with new faces being put into new roles, whether it be Tegan Knox, just all kinds of people. I really like how they laid out the end of that battle royal, and I think it really sets up the NXT women's division for uh, the next few months of the year. And if anything, that women's division, I think, might be the most stacked division in wrestling right now as far as just the depth of talent they have going on in NXT with the women there. So really curious to see what happens there. And if you didn't check out that battle royal, check out at the very least the last five minutes of it because they did a lot of exciting stuff there. Right on. All right, well, yeah, we definitely went over our mark for tonight, but we definitely had a lot to talk about, so I won't keep you guys listening much longer, but definitely go over to our YouTube channel. Got some new interviews up posted on there now. And uh, for us, gentlemen, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening in.